Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Detraction Pieces Podcast, episode 534, and I'm joined today by someone who I've got so much love for, Laura Checkley. Now, I became a fan of Laura in King Gary, in Detectorists, in loads of other wonderful things. And then Laura hit me up to come on the Proper Class podcast, which she hosts with her friend Hannah. And I just adored them both. I fell even more more in love with these humans and thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. I then caught Laura in, in Screw, which we talk about a bit in this episode, Series 2. It sounds amazing. Um, I did an episode with the creator of Screw, Rob Williams, a while back, just ahead of Series 1, so check that out. It's a prison drama. Yeah, so I was just really pleased. I don't know how Laura hasn't been on previously, but I was delighted to have them on now. And you'll hear the timing is beautiful, so we've got a very positive and warm start. I'm going to let us get straight into it. As ever, I'm brought to you by speechdevelopmentrecords.com. That's where you can buy all the merch, all the good stuff, a great way to support the podcast, and a guy called Scroobius Pip. Speaking of Scroobius Pip, twitch.tv forward slash Scroobius Pipio is where you can catch up with me all the time. We did a stream the other day where I spent an hour going over tour stories and I went through mine and Dan's first tour of America, which was the first time we met B. Dolan and we had all sorts of ups and downs and crazy calamities. So there's all sorts of stuff there and you can always just throw questions and interact. It's a very interactive, personal, intimate platform and it's free. And you can also support over at patreon.com forward slash Scroobius Pip. That's where for less than the price of a bar of Tony's Chocoloni, probably less than that, I think, for less than that, you you can support the podcast. So if you listen to this podcast and think, I like Pip, if I saw Pip out, I'd buy him a bar of Tony's Ch- Chocoloni. They're not sponsors. Acast, anyone from Acast listening, anyone from Tony's listening, let's get the sponsorship going. But yeah, for less than a bar of Tony's, you can support the podcast and you'll be supporting me and everyone else who works on the podcast. So yeah. Anyway, let's get on with the Blooming Podcast, shall we? This is the Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode 534, with Laura Checkley. you i'm joined today by laura Ch- checkley how are you are you good i'm all right i'm melting a bit in this heat but i'm all right yeah i think we're gonna have a week where if any podcasters like you know a lot of us will, will, will record a load in one go yeah it feels like there's going to be a lot of podcasts that start with talk about how swelteringly hot it is because yeah, just moaning like moaning about it because we can't stand it because we're british yeah <laughs> I've, got, <laughs> I've got exactly that my house is really old and it just holds the heat so badly. And because it's England and we don't often get hot, I've never even considered getting any air conditioning or anything like that. But now I'm realising, now we've kind of fucked the planet, Yeah, it might be the time to invest in air conditioning because it's not going to get better. No, right, Each no. year it's only going to get worse, isn't it? Do so. you know what though, Pip? My mate lives in Italy and she has got air con, but she mm. has to turn it off because she said, A, it keeps making a meal. 
and it costs a bloody fortune. Yeah. So it's like having your eating on all the time, isn't it? So uh, there's yeah, it's it, weird, isn't it? It's all very well getting it, but you'll be like, you can only put it on for two hours at a time. It's the main thing that American mates always comment on if they come to England. Apparently, um, add levels of air conditioning. Obviously, we don't have many, but apparently in, in America, it's not even that expensive to have air conditioning. But, but also, for some reason, our, our washing machines apparently aren't as good as America's apparently they take far longer and it is I put a wash on and it's like fucking three hours or or something or it's it's I never seem to know when it's going to end I have to put mine on like a delicates because that'll give me 50 minutes it's it's just because it's the quickest and it goes on 30 degrees so it's you know low yeah bit bit better economically isn't it so everything goes on a delicate I don't know if it's (laughs) washing my jeans properly or not but that's it's going on a delicate I've I've not got a clue really I look at them and I'm like I'll I'll be on this is fascinating podcasting but I'll I'll be on (laughs) I'll be on the 60 minute fast wash 90% of the time and every now and then I go no, it all deserves a, a proper w- wash now. So, so, yeah. so once every few months, it will get the the big, oh, yeah. the big oh, yeah. wash. <laughs> all the sports gear and the smelly socks. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love it. But, but how are you? What's going on? Is everything good in the world at the moment? Other than the yeah, heat? do you know what? I've had a really, really. I can't complain. I've had a good year. I've got married. Work's been good. Congratulations. Um, thank you so much. Yeah, I got married in May to my beautiful wife now. I keep calling her partner, but I've, I'm, yeah, it's weird saying wife. I don't have yeah. to say wife, but it's weird saying it. It's quite nice. But um, You can now. That's the thing. You don't yeah. have to, but you can, so... Yeah, it's it's a weird one, the word wife. It feels a bit sort of patriarchal. My wife, you know. So, yeah. um, but um I love that we can do it and um and yeah, I I love that I get to say my wife. But yeah, so we got married in May and I was wow. I did I was in the middle of doing a play at the Royal Court at the time, so it was all a bit bonkers and felt like it didn't happen. And then we just celebrated our, well, we just went on our honeymoon because, of course, I was in the play, so I didn't have time to go yeah. on a honeymoon. Um, so we've just done that and um, and we're back and I'm just doing a load of washing now. That's showbiz, kids. <laughs> I love it. I, I love it. How do you balance that? Because this is a weird industry. Again, hearing that really highlights how the acting and entertainment industry seems to refuse to acknowledge that people have lives and real worlds. Because, again, it's, it's, it's mad to think that, you get married and then you can't have a honeymoon for, for a bit because l- quite l- literally the cliche sh- the cliche saying of, of the show must go on. Yeah. It quite literally must, right? How, yeah. how do you find that? Finding times for the real world, for your now wife, for holidays, mm-hmm. for all these kinds of things. Yeah, do you know what? I've got better at it as I've got older. I think it just comes with age and you say, no, fuck it, I actually deserve a life. So yeah. I've, I've booked in these dates, the rest can fuck off. So yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, I weren't good at it in my 20s, you know, but that's all because at one stage in your career, you're you're desperate to take any opportunity you can. You don't want mm-hmm. to turn down anything and you need you need something on your CV. So you keep taking and taking. And, and the worry always is, when particularly being a working class actor, is that you kind of go, I better take it while it's here because I, I might not work for another I need to get paid. Few, few months. Yeah, and I need to pay my bills and stuff. But I've got better at it. Actually, when I went in for the play, um, for the audition, I said, look, these dates are out and getting married. Mm-hmm. non-negotiable so you can either not see me I don't don't we, let's not waste each other's time yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, give me the dates off and we I did have a long weekend after I got married as well and we did pop to Amsterdam for a mini moon so we did get a yeah, little bit of time but um and they were good about that but I went in with these are my dates 
Whereas if I, when I was in my 20s, I probably would have been like, um, Claire, do you mind if I just like um, take, take one day off for the wedding? And then, you know, because I'd have been too frightened to ask because yeah. also as well, being slightly older actor, not, you know, not old, old, but older generation actor, back then you they didn't give you the option to say, sorry, I'm getting married. I knew people that would get married and go and do a, a, a show in the evening, like yeah. that same it's day. It? It's interesting. You, you, you mentioned class and obviously class is going to, come up when you and I are having a chat because we've had yeah. a lovely chat about that on your on the proper cl- class podcast w- w- with you and Hannah so that is going to be a thing that comes up a lot but I think it's interesting in this industry as well because there is certainly like I came into acting from music and other things so I already had mm. kind of an established career yet I still I genuinely think it's because of being working class I felt exactly as you're saying there you kind of you have to accept anything you're almost honored to be asked to audition oh, and and yeah. it's like it takes you a while to go oh no and again it's what the strikes in america are about at the moment it takes a mm-hmm. while to go oh no we're important and we're a valued part of this it's not this wonderful it, it obviously it's an amazing industry amazing job but we have our own value and our own worth and that's really important and i love to hear that you kind of went into that one going look if we don't want to waste each other's time then let's not waste each other's time but yes yeah. i'm getting married this yeah, and, this and it a was debate. a big deal because I've, you know, it's taken me forever to get seen at the the, the Royal Court. I never get seen in those the, those big sort of establishments. <laughs> but yeah, when um, so when it finally come up, I was like, oh no, fucking hell! And the dates are clashing. I just thought, no, like life's too important. I'm getting married. It's never going to happen again. Yeah. So it is important. It's it's really really important. And and everything that's happening with the strikes at the moment, it's important that. We can't just fold. It matters for us. It matters for future actors and writers. And I mean, this whole industry could be fucked if this don't, if we don't get this right. You know, I say this like I'm I'm marching the streets, but I'm I'm you know I'm I'm there in spirit. But um, it's yeah, yeah it's really complicated times, isn't it? And but I do think you're right. I think I mean I'm better because uh, be my age and I just give a shit less. Um, and also I feel like I've got less to prove. But I think it's really, really important to get the balance right. And I think that we're living in a time where we go, hello, this ain't a hobby. This mm. is a job. And yes, we're lucky to be doing a job that we love, but we work hard and we deserve to get paid. And it's a really, really difficult industry. I think we're, I think the mindset is changing with, oh, aren't you lucky to be doing that? I've I've stopped saying, aren't I lucky to be in this job? And I go, I, I deserve this. I've worked mm-hmm. hard and I deserve mm-hmm. it. And my time is now. And But I, I do struggle with that. That's that working class thing in us where we kind of go, oh, no, lucky to be here. Oh, sorry, sir, I'm in your way. Yeah, you know, all yeah, of- <laughs> yeah. I think it's really interesting. And you've touched upon the importance of the strikes. And it's not something I've really talked about on the podcast. And it's a really interesting situation because I was talking to a mate about it recently and he was saying how it's not really getting that much press. And it's a really weird one where these strikes aren't for awareness, they're for actual results. So it's not one that needs press necessarily. And and again, it's you touched upon how devastating it could be. People don't seem to know, but speaking to a few in- industry experts, <laughs> it is kind of estimated that if these strikes continue to December even, that could be the end of Hollywood, like oh, literally, because the way the, the, the investments work and the way these companies work, a work on spending millions to make millions or billions to make b- b- billions if they have a, a, a summer with no new releases which is what it would be mm. tv and film 
then that could kill literally Hollywood, literally Netflix, literally so many of these companies. Because again, Netflix is another company that worked for many years in debt. You know, the the whole speculate to accumulate, but they were hugely in debt to become one of the biggest earning companies in the world. But it does mean that if there's no new releases on Netflix next year, their memberships will drop. Yeah. completely off and they could be gone and it's like yeah. this is a serious thing but it's weird that so many things are about awareness whereas this is really a standoff between the super wealthy and those who have made them super w- w- wealthy yeah. exposure the, the doesn't really change that the numbers are there it's mm-hmm. it's someone is going to have to break at some point because yeah, same on the other side a lot of working class actors are involved in this it's like mm. they're going to run out of money this isn't a thing that can just go go, go could go on forever but I really think the studios at some point are gonna have to go all right let's give the again and it's asking for like 0.02 percent of their profits and stuff like that yeah it's 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 kind of scary isn't it and I had a big conversation about all the AI stuff I had no Mm. idea that you could for example type into some system oh write me a script that's like Batman in the style Mm. of Batman and this happens in it and Mm. the whole script will be written I mean, you can tell it's AI and you could just fiddle with it a little bit. And then also all the AI stuff with the actors where they could, we could go and do one day filming and they could use our face forever fucking more. Mm -hmm. It's really scary stuff. And that stuff is like, that that just can't happen. And I think if they don't get control of it, it will happen. It will be somewhere in the small print and then you're fucked, you know. But it's, uh, yeah, all of it is like, yeah, I don't know which way this is going to go. I feel like, though, that they'll, like you said, they'll run it as long as they can and then they'll they'll give in and hopefully or they'll have to. There'll be nothing to watch but reruns and yeah. you know. Yeah. And 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 the American office is good, but you know, we can only <laughs> yeah, watch sure. it so many times. Um <laughs> and it's interesting on all the AI stuff, because again, I think a problem that we had with the internet is we just jumped in with two feet and didn't really lay down any ground rules and social media and all these things. Mm. And then it becomes this clawing back and clawing back and Mm. the damage is already done. And I think it's important at the early days of all this AI stuff to lay down these rules. I, I, me and the guys I work with at Pod Bible have had to have a conversation about this because we've had to say morally, we don't think it's okay to be using AI for anything because we've got, you need to be working with humans and writers. Yeah. But then equally, I know people who want to, for example, convert their podcasts into different languages using AI. Now, yeah. that's something they wouldn't have been doing anyway. So, so that isn't taking a job away from anyone. That isn't something that was an option previously. No. So I'm fine with that. It's like yeah. if you can convert it, your own voice to be you speaking in French or whatever else, then cool. Yeah, everything just needs go to ahead, but... go through with a fine-tooth comb, yeah. isn't it? And it's going to yeah. take a long time. But yeah, it's the world's mad, isn't it? It's just so it mad really when is. you get into it. And and also, let's not forget, it's it's easy to look at all these Hollywood actors going, oh, I'm going to strike, and writers that you know write for big, massive shows that got some money to see them through. But there are lots of the, mostly an actor's life is, is hand-to-mouth, isn't it? And it's mm. feast or famine, and um, so people are going to need work. Yeah. And then, then you're worried about people sort of going, well, sorry, I've got to work now. And then it all folds and, oh God, you know, don't bear thinking about. It's been beautiful to see. This is one of the the rare industries where the people right at the top seem to be standing with the people right at the bottom as well. Again, I've always been a big supporter of all 
striking workers, all unions, all people fighting for their rights and to have their voices heard in a fair manner. What's been beautiful here is seeing, number one, the strike has been everyone, but number two, some of those who have earned the millions are putting money into funds to support those who are at the the bottom. So it's so rare to see it feel like we're all in this together. And that's been a beautiful thing to see. But moving on from that, I mean, class, I I, want to, Laurie, you've been in some of my favourite things over Mm -hmm. the years. And I want to talk about Detectorist, King Gary. I want to talk about Screw. I want to talk about um, this country, because I think it's one of those shows that's a bastion of class you know, yeah. showing the variation of Clark. Like there was a period, particularly in the BBC, that a lot of the comedy was, and I'm going back to before I was really watching, but there was a period where it was all very, very Oxford and Cambridge. And oh, things yeah, like yeah. things like this country and people just do nothing and all that, I think are so, and man like Moby, and I think are so important for mm. showing the variation of, of backgrounds. But I want to start with class and all of that as before we get onto any of that. So I want to kind of know where you grew up, what your kind of upbringing was like and then what the route is into these industries. Because again, there's different classes where it's more an entitlement to move into the arts or a privilege, you know, you've you've got that, it's, it's easy there. For people from working class backgrounds, it often takes a moment to make you realise it's even an option. So tell me a little bit about where you grew up and how you were as a kid. Well, I grew up in Hounslow from the, but you know, I hail from people just do nothing land. Um, yeah. yeah, I grew up in Hounslow. It's a weird place, Hounslow. I've got a lot of love for it, but it's super transient. You know, people just pass through it to get to Heathrow and it's sort of little forgotten yeah. corner of West London. You know, it sort of feels a bit like no nowhere. And um, you feel that certainly in the 80s, 90s growing up, you feel that massively. You know, when you work in class and I mean, I was obsessed with comedy right from a young age. My mum, my mum caught me on a, I was on a coach once because we used to get a coach um, originally when I was very, very young. So I moved to Hounslow when I was like five or six, um, but I was born in Bracknell. Right. And uh, we used to get the coach to my nans who lived in East Acton. And uh, my mum said I was on the coach one day and I was sat there like shaking and and I was I was like just looking over at this 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 old woman who just had like tremors or whatever, but I was mimicking her. Right. And my mum said, you did that about, you were about three years old and you were just mimicking this woman. And mum's like, stop it, stop it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, and then I, and she said, and we, we had a lot of comedy on in the house, you know, Only Fools and Horses grew up with that. Had um, you know, a lot of comedy on in the house. So uh, mum said I was just glued to the TV and particularly when Victoria were Julie Waters and French and Saunders were on, totally obsessed. Um, there was a programme called Girls on Top with Ruby Wax and Jennifer mm. Saunders and Dawn French. And I just used to mimic them all. And I and I used to mimic Margaret Thatcher and it was pretty good apparently at the time. Um, and it started there, but mum didn't really know what to do with it. She was just like, she's just outgoing and a bit of a show off. Um, yeah, but I was also, character. Yeah. Yeah. But we've got a lot of characters in my family. Like I feel very strongly my, that my nan could have been a stand up comic. She was really fucking funny yeah. and she didn't give no, she didn't give two shits like what anyone thought of her. Very, very funny lady. Anyone that met Winnie just would tell you she was just brilliant matriarch of our family. Got very strong, uh, funny women in my family. So we were just, you know, it was just another one of us was quite funny. But I was also really good at football and um, I, I played right from a young age and um, and then went and played for uh, Brentford Junior Bs when I was young. And um, then I got scouted for Arsenal. But what happened was 
I mean, when you, I mean, certainly back in in the eighties, nineties, there was no future in women's football. It didn't feel like it anyway. No, you had to course. go and work in America or Spain. So for me, it was always a, more of a hobby, and just you know, just thought, well, that's just not for girls, is it? But I was desperate to be funny, desperate to make people laugh, and I was playing out football one day. My my mate Sarah, who just used to sit on a bike and watch us. She didn't ever play football. She said, "Oh." Sorry, my mate Lisa, she said, um, oh, um, there's a dance school around the corner. Do you fancy going? And I was like, uh, yeah, all right. So I asked my mum and she was like, oh, Christ, not another thing. So I was into everything, you know. So, yeah, we went round, we went round the corner to this school hall and we walk into this dance school and it's Bonnie Langford's mum's dance school. Wow. And she... Wow. Just, yeah, and it was like a stroke of luck, really, because... She just knew the business and mm. uh, all the kids that were there were like Sylvie Youngs, which is a performing arts school, or they, they were all already acting. But a lot of them were quite posh and middle class. And it was like, I don't know, like £4 a week or something like that, which my mum could afford. And then we'd do shows, which were very pricey. My mum had to save up for them for the costumes and stuff like that. Right. But yeah, she she saw something in me and she said, you, you need to go to this place here. It's, it's free performing arts school. She told me about the Brit School as I got older. And um, off I went to the, the Brit School, which was, you know, it's still one of the only non-fee-paying performing arts colleges in, in London. And that's in Croydon. Yeah. And then they they pointed me in the direction of of drama school. But, you know, back then and even now, I think if you are from an underprivileged or working class background and you don't have access to the arts in any way, shape or form, it's all about an opportunity that arises and someone that believes in you and says, you need to go over here. Because mm. <laughs> uh, other than that, I'd have probably just ended up playing football and, you know, working in an office probably. And um, who knows, you know, I don't, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know what would have happened, but no one in my family is a performer. I come from a, a long line of cleaners and and um, painters and decorators. And um, yeah, it's, um, I, I don't really know where it's come from at all. But um, all I know is that from a young age, I knew I wanted to do that on the telly, but I didn't know how I'd get there. And it, I sort of took this weird route and ended up doing musical theatre and decided I don't want to do musical theatre, what am I doing? And um, and then I ended up dropping it all and going on the comedy circuit for a bit and I, earning earning my stripes there. I love it. I think Brit school <laughs> is so important. And so important. It's also really important that it's in Croydon. <laughs> Because Croydon yeah. ain't that nice. Croydon ain't. No, oh, it, no. it, it's not some fat. Like, and, and again, my family live in Croydon. I've got I've got yeah, cousins yeah. in Croydon. I'm not I'm, far from Croydon I'm, here. I, oh yeah, I, we I love all know. Croydon. So, but it's so important. And I think that era when you when you'd hear that like Adele and Laura Dockrell and and yeah. and Amy White, just all all sorts of different people who went to Brit School and came out as these amazing absolute superstars. Yeah, I think even I think for the kids who go there, it's a huge inspiration. And, oh, God, and yeah. one of my cousins went there, and I always remember Laura Dockrell was in giving a speech, <laughs> and I got a, a, a message off her going, "There's a girl in this class who says she's your cousin. Is she lying?" I'm like, "No, no, yeah, that's my cousin. That's, that's, <laughs> my, that's my cousin Sophie." And I had to had to to verify it, but it's a huge inspiration for the people who go there. But it's also a huge inspiration for for those who don't, because just having it in the area and having it as a known thing. Yeah, that's As it. we were saying before, just lets people know, oh, there are options. You don't yeah. like, like, because again, working class people, you're generally, in my area in Essex, all we were taught was we, we, we're aiming to get a job in the city. You get a train into London, you put on a suit, you get a train into London, you earn money, 
you come back. I never knew what people were doing in London. I knew who was earning the most of, of the kids in the years yeah, above me yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. But I never knew what their jobs were. And that wasn't the important part. It was they're going in, oh, he's earning this. He's earning uh, this now. He's just got a rise. It's like, yeah, yeah. that was it. That was the goal. When I've been writing um, and, you know, over the years and when I'm pitching stuff to production companies or whatever, there's, you know, always, you know, always, always uh, want to write about working class stories. And there's always these interesting conversations about, but what do they dream about? I'm like, listen, my brother's a painter and decorator, right? And he was a very talented golfer, but we couldn't afford it. My parents couldn't afford it. Like golfing's impossible. Membership is expensive. Golf clubs are expensive. Entering competitions. It got to the point where... We just couldn't do it for him. So he's a painter and decorator. Does he, what would, does he, did he dream of being a painter? No, but he's all right. He earns his wage and he, yeah. that's what he earns a week and he, he pays his bills and he's all right. And they're like, but surely I'm like, he's all right. Like, <laughs> and, and I think, I think people find it really hard when you talk about working class that kind of go, well, I ended up in this job. And some people, like a lot of them don't have a dream because they weren't allowed to dream. Yeah. And you were just sort of told, go over there and earn the best that you can earn. I mean, it's, I think it's much different now. You know, I talked to my niece. And nephews are like, I want to do this and I want to do that. And I've and it's it's brilliant and I love that. But when we went to school, when I went in and said I wanted to be an actor or performer, she just laughed at me and said, Well, you know, what about a PE teacher? You're good at sports. I was like, Yeah, yeah but I'm really fucking shit at biology. She's like, yeah. right. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and again, I think you're right. I think it's you, you, the dreams are often framed in you want to be able to buy a house or you want to do this and that or, mm. and and the living for the weekend thing like i know so many people who their dream is when they're off work yeah their dream Going is on 5 holiday. o'clock or their dream is is friday at 5 you know it's, yeah, it's the weekend it's the holiday yeah looking in 6 months yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It's that, like, that's it's, it it's not a case of what's the dream of of your actual life which is terrible you know it's mm. it's, it's it's it should be opening up these things and yeah i said to my mum once because my mum's been a receptionist her whole life, telephonist, and that's now oh. a receptionist. And I said, did you ever, is there anything you ever wanted to do? She's like, never really thought about it. And that, like, just yeah. made me sad because she's a brilliant, capable woman and, yeah. and she yeah. won't mind me saying this, but I'm like, but you're so brilliant. And, and, and I mean, she left school at 14, as, as they all did back in them days, but she's like, well, you just get on with it, didn't you, Laura? You know, I had a family and that was that. And it was like, wow. Yeah. And, but that, there are people in the world that go, yeah, I didn't, yeah. didn't know what I wanted to do. Exactly I don't know what that. I want to do. And, and people over, like me, it? we just, we just go and get a job, don't we? we just, as long as I can pay my bills, I don't care. But, but I think, you know, like now, obviously, with, with TV and TikTok and all that, there's so people have got it there in the palm of their hand that they can, you know, it's that old thing is if you can't see it, you can't be it. But back when we were growing up, you had four channels and yeah. that was it, wasn't it? You couldn't, if you didn't know about something like the Brit School, I didn't know what the fuck the Brit School was. I'd never have found out about it had I not stumbled upon that dance school who knew what they were doing. And exactly, and I think it's those those famed graduates that, that have put it out there because, again, m- my age... C- coming up I wouldn't have known about that I wouldn't it's it's not in my area no. I wouldn't have stumbled upon it all that kind of thing would have been an absolute dream but my thing was straight into retail and working in HMV for years and pizza art yeah, and, yeah. and everything else because you know a little bit before I became like 16 Lakeside was built and that was the biggest thing in our area Amazing. there's this big sh- a shopping center has been built that's prosperity for the area that's all of us are going to have jobs for a certain amount of time there's going to be more more jobs and more in the economy and all that kind of thing. And yeah, yeah. Again, it's mad to think that that's the small things that can change everything and really be the focus of an area. Yeah. 
And also, you know, like you know this, there's been many times throughout my career where I've gone, oh, fuck, I think I need to think about something else here because, and it is finding the space and the time, you know, like I, I got mm. to a point where I was like, I cannot afford to take time off my my job job to to go and audition. Mm. You know, gone of the day, we didn't have, we didn't have self-tapes back in the day. That, that, make, that makes it much more possible now to get it, fit it around your day a bit more, doesn't it? But yeah, of course. You know, back in the day, you were going in the room, which you know I don't talk about. I love going in the room. Um, I miss going in the room. But it's 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 at least half a day. Yeah. Oh, hundred. It's at least yeah. half a day. It's travelling in. It's it's waiting. It's being seen. It's travelling back. Yeah, and even if you're in a job that they they seem pretty cool, if you're dumping them in the shit at the last minute, you're dumping them in the shit at the last minute, and yeah. they don't give a shit what yeah. you're doing. Um, but yeah, they, and that's 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 the thing for me. Like I was always always frustrated. Always felt oh, I could have got where I am now a little bit sooner had I had the space and the time but I was actually listening to your podcast with Susan McComber actually and yeah. you, um, you, you were both best. talking about being ready and yeah. um, I was I was thinking yeah I was in such a rush you know in my 20s to to, to make it whatever that means <laughs> Uh, and and for people and to be noticed um, and particularly in the comedy world I was so desperate for it but, you know, if I'd have got King Gary any sooner than when I got it, I don't think I'd have been as good and I don't think I'd have, I'd have mm-hmm. coped with it as well and I don't think I'd have smashed it up like I did um, yeah. because I don't yeah. think I'd have been ready is the truth, yeah. actually. Again, I think all of these things, I'm, I'm not really a spiritual person at all. I don't know if I'm becoming a bit, a, a bit more spiritual as I get older, but um, I really do think there is something in all of that. You know, I, I remember the first TV series I ever got, and it was this huge deal, and then we didn't get a, a second season, and it was heartbreaking. Him, yeah. But then if we'd got a second season, I wouldn't have got to do a show I did called Taboo and worked with Tom Hardy mm-hmm. and Stephen Graham and all these amazing people. And it's like, in that moment, that was the worst news in the world. And then in the end, it's like, no, this was actually the best thing for, you know, in that moment. It's it's it, it's always doors opening and, and closing, I, I guess, isn't yeah, it? Isn't it? Yeah, 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 100%. It's finding the positive there. But tell me a little bit about comedy then you started off in a duo right I did yeah so I remember because I did a, a bit I did a stint in musical theatre because that's what I trained in because ultimately mm. I got a scholarship to go to this one drama school and that's where I went yeah. didn't ever really want to do musical theatre in my first year at drama school I went to my head of musical theatre and I said I want to go over the acting course I'm an actor He's like, but you can sing, you can dance. Like, I can, but I don't want to, and I want to act. Yeah, yeah. But he said, he said, no, 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 you can't swap, you can't, can't do it. So I stayed in that, got an agent, and off I went doing musical theatre. And I was in a, I was in a West End show. This was my last show. I was in a West End show. Trevor Nunn had directed it, and I was really fucking unhappy. And I thought, what's the matter with you, Laura? Mm. You're in the West End, finally. You're being directed by Trevor Nunn. What the fuck? Why are you not happy? And I just, had, I had a real word to myself and. And I was like, I don't want to do this. I'm unhappy. I'm wasting time. And I was mm. about 27, 28 then. And I called my mate, Victoria Bush, who's my com- who was my comedy partner. I called her and we'd been pissing about doing a bit of writing, mostly drinking wine and not getting anything done. <laughs> and I called her and I was like, um, we'd had, we'd got the show had closed early. So we'd had a big thing that had been brought down into the auditorium. The show's closing and everyone was devastated. And I was secretly happy. 
And I called her and I went, should we do this then? And she went, go on then. And we didn't realise that you'd just get out on the circuit and perfect a five minutes, you know, get a strong five, strong 10, like they say. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, we yeah. just wrote a whole hour. I'd, I'd done news review. Oh, wow. I'd done this show called News Review, which is like a topical political musical review. I'd done that yeah. at, at the Canal Cafe and I knew that they put on comedy and stuff. I was like, oh, listen, I know someone there. We can get a little slot. So we did three nights. We put on a whole hour. Most of it was shit. <laughs> and um yeah and so Checkley and Bush was born her name was Victoria Bush and yeah it. but we were a bit older you know going onto the comedy circuit Vicks had been in Bad Girls for years um, right. and she's um she'd been really successful um you know and I'd had an all right career in musical theatre but when when you go to Edinburgh it's got an amazing it's got amazing capacity to make you feel like no one very quickly and mm-hmm. it chews you up and it spits you out financially as well um, and of course, you know, we didn't know anyone. So we just took ourselves up there thinking we were going to win the, you know, the big comedy award. <laughs> and we got an all right venue and an all right time. Um, and we did all right. We sold all right. And we had lots of in, uh, important, interesting people come see us and, and things were happening. And But it wiped us out. That first Edinburgh it really wiped us out financially. And um, gosh, you end up sort of... <sighs> It's the year after that that you sort of then try and recover, and and then we yeah. we we got back, we went back again the year after. But we did the free fringe because we were absolutely fucked financially, and that's an an incredible service, free fringe, and more and more mm-hmm. actors doing it. And yeah, we did all right, and we no, did no one really notices. And then you know, and then we went and did another one and spent an absolute fortune. And but during that time, what it allowed was for lots of cast and directors to come see me, and I've changed agents, and I got a comedy agent, and and then suddenly started going up small parts in comedies and whatever. So it allowed me to break into the industry. And, you know, Vix and I had yeah. lots of exciting meetings and things in development, but nothing, you kind of, there's a shelf life to a double act. You kind of go, where are we headed? When you're a stand-up, you can just keep going and going and going. But when there's two of you and one wants to go off and have, you know, get married and have babies and stuff, you, you've got to have that chat. And we were a bit, a bit older and we really mm-hmm. felt it. We were on the circuit. And at the time, like you said, it was saturated with middle-class Oxbridge graduates and we were two working class girls with these accents. I think one review said it was like a couple of cockney birds having a fight <laughs> out of a kebab shop, fight fight outside yeah. a kebab shop. And I, I thought, fucking cunt. If you come to see our show, it was actually quite old fashioned. We were, we were very like big fans of Victoria yeah. Wood, you know, sketch French and Saunders. And it was like, just because we talk the way we talk and we might yeah. say fuck occasionally, we were, we were seen as a really coarse kind of, we mm. were called coarse a lot. And actually, it was quite the opposite if you'd watched our, our our comedy. It was very silly parodies and Yeah. But you know, um, I think I think if we'd have been around now and got on TikTok, we'd have done all right. But um yeah, but what it did, it allowed me to break into the comedy world and and you know, bit by bit, little by little, things started happening. And um, yeah, and no, I think really I got this thing called Edge of Heaven, which was an ITV comedy drama, and that was a big, big break yeah. for me. But like, like yours, it, yeah. it it collapsed after the first series. It didn't do too well. We had a great cast. We had like Blake Harrison and Louisa Litton and Camille Cadori, um, who later on went to being King Gary with me. Um, yeah, we, we just flopped really, and I was devastated. I thought that's it. That's your chance, gone law. And then you know, Detectorist came along, and then I met. And then I met Tom and James, yeah. uh, Tom Davis and James DeFront, who yeah. creators of King Gary. Um, I met them. You met them on Action Team, was that? Was because I met them before that, actually. We did a pilot that never went anywhere, and they never knew what to do with this character in Action Team, Monica. And when I did the pilot for them for this other thing, they were like, that's what we need. Yeah. 
And they said, we come and do this action comedy and did that. And so our little relationship began and um, that only did one series. And yeah, and then they said, look, we've got this idea for a sitcom. I thought, that ain't going to happen. They're going to want Sheridan Smith or something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and we did it and we did, yeah. Um, yeah. And, it, and King Gary really, really, really changed things for me. Yeah. Or, or Again, Tom has been on before, you know, I love that man dearly. And he's another one that's a real good example of of a working class hero to me. Cause because yeah, um yeah. Murder and Successful, I stumbled upon out of nowhere and it just blew me away. I'd never seen anything like it. His Incredible, performance isn't it? Incredible. Yeah. just astounding. And then again, he didn't just go, Oh, aren't I, aren't I lucky to, to have had a show? He hooked up with James already and they went, right, well, let's start a production company. Let's start, let's do multiple shows. Let's do action team. And when the opportunity to do, you know, a BBC one style comedy of King Gary comes in, a lot of people would have shied away from that. But he was like, no, this is, yeah, yeah. this is, you mentioned Only Fools and Horses earlier. You know, you, you mm-hmm. can have these big working class, you know, m- mainstream comedy shows and have them work. And, yeah. I think so. It was a big hit, King Gary. You know, I still, still people still message me about yeah. it, you know, and quote it and, and all of that. And it's important as well. It was so, it was just, it was stupid and big and fun. And, 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 you know, we, I, I do feel like there is really lacking that, you know, and they go lack of sort of working class kind of everything shouldn't feel bleak and without hope. Mm. It's not like that, you know, working class people do all right for themselves yeah. sometimes and, 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 and they're happy where they are. And, and, you know, I mean, the case of Gary and Terry, they're trying to cl- climb the social ladder all the yeah. time, but, um, but yeah, it's um, I, it was it was just a joy to do, it. And, and and what Tom wasn't afraid to do is make his 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 female counterparts funny, yeah. and often funnier than him sometimes. Yeah, 100%. And it's it was amazing. I, it was just amazing to work with people that weren't afraid to do that, and to let the to let me be a fool, and to let me be the clown as well. You know, I weren't that eye eye rolling you know, wife at home rolling her eyes saying, oh, you, aren't you silly? It was, you know, she was just as stupid as Gary. Yeah. And um, I think, yeah, that was that's that was really important for me. But yeah, uh, after that, yeah, it was just like, then got a bigger agent and um, and here I am, you know, trying to trying to do a bit of drama now. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I, and I want to get on to, to, to some of that, but I quickly want to rewind back to Detectorist because I think it's really interesting as well because... Oh yeah, look, I've got this in the background. Can you see? Oh it? yeah, 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 yeah. This was this is all drawn. It's a storyboard for those that can't see. Yeah. Obviously, it's a storyboard of the Christmas special. Oh wow! And Mackenzie drew drew every single picture here. Oh, that's astounding. Um, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, I love it. Again, I think it's such a good show, and it's so gentle but hilarious. And again, it's it's easy for for for, for me when I'm writing or when I'm ranting about the lack of working class mm. representation to only think of my area of working class, Essex right, or South yeah, London yeah. or that kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah. detectorists and This Is England, uh, or, or this country, sorry, are working class, you know, smaller areas and smaller towns and, and villages and that representation is equally as important. And yeah, I think both Definitely. of those shows are so be- beautiful for that in completely different ways. But yeah, yeah. Oh just, god, yeah, yeah. When, when I first met Daisy, she was in my audition. And I originally I was up for two parts, up for Big Mandy mm. and then the part that I got. But I actually wanted the part 
but I got I didn't think I was right for Big yeah. Mandy. And actually I know Ashley Maguire who played Big Mandy, bloody amazing, yeah. incredible actress, very funny. But when I first read that script, I was like, this is really I have not picked up a comedy that I get. Mm-hmm. So I just I just I was like, this is incredible. Mm-hmm. This is so great. Mm-hmm. But I was worried that it wouldn't do as well as it should because you just think, oh, are they are the BBC going to let it stay on? Are they going to, you know, all of that? And it was, oh, God, yeah. And, and I met Daisy and she was so generous in the audition and she laughed loads like um, a real sister, you know. And um, and it was, it was, you just knew, you just knew when you're on set, you're like, this is going to be big. I just I think, knew it. I think that era of BBC Three was almost unintentionally really good because it was when the BBC had kind of gone, oh, it's all digital, it's all on iPlayer. And I think it made them take more risks or allow more stuff to run longer because totally they were spending agree. less. But things like, I, I remember working with Gus Khan just when he was doing Man Like Mobeen and we were mm-hmm. both like, it's amazing, but they're never going to give him a, a second season because it's so its own thing. Yeah. And I remember yeah. thinking that with that, with this country, with... Yeah. yeah, people just do nothing. Murder is successful. All of these things, I think they all came out of a time when the BBC stumbled upon being ahead of the curve in the fact that people were moving over to watching things digitally. I think, again, it was yeah, purely yeah. a cost-cutting thing to, to get rid of BBC th- Three at that point and make it digital only, but it worked yeah, yeah. a treat and it got all these really exciting voices, these, these, and, these mad and opportunities. And not even that, just like massive hits, massive yeah, hits. yeah. Like, huge. you know, so, and it, that's what it goes to show is, a, you know, a lot of people that sit and watch the telly, you know, there's a lot of working class people sit and watch the telly and, mm. and they, they need their thing too. And that those shows go to prove that. And, and when, um, when detectives come along, obviously you, it was Toby Jones, Mackenzie Cook, there was part of you thinking, well, this is going to do really well. Yeah, yeah. But it is a bit niche. Yeah, like it's so niche. It's so it's niche. So and I was niche. like, I mean, yeah, I mean, I was like, yeah, I'm not even sure I was going to get it. I was like, I'm probably not, they're probably going to put someone bigger in it, a bigger profile mm. in it. And it was, it's when you, it's so interesting you say it's gentle and funny and and all those things because that's exactly what Mackenzie is. He's really, really gentle and 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 funny and he's so fucking clever. He's so clever. Yeah. We did a pub quiz once, all the cast and crew, and it, I was just, I mean, I was astounded. His knowledge is like. Oh God, he's like incredible. Um, yeah. I've got such a lot of respect for him, and he's and he's a great director as well. He directed it beautifully, and um, yeah, it was on. A, and actually, yeah. when we got asked to go back for this Christmas special, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm 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 not going to lie, Laura. I I, I zoned out then just because of the thought of doing a pub quiz <laughs> with Gareth from the office. And the most my favourite office scene is the quiz, the the the, the, yeah. the, the quiz <laughs> night that they did, and. Um, this is the real quiz when it's as soon as you can throw a boot over the <laughs> yeah. or a kettle over the um the thing. So yeah, I wouldn't have been able to focus on how wonderful Mackenzie Crook was in that moment. Yeah, that's like, funny. God didn't even think of that at the time. I was just like, blown away. I was like, how do you know all this? <laughs> I was like, I'll do sport. I love it. I love it. But- I went, yeah, no, sorry, I don't know the answer to that one. <laughs> I fucking hate that. Everyone's always waiting on me on the music's a section of the quiz and if it lands it lands if it doesn't you're just humiliated when there's ever a section that they expect you to be the expert on the most pressure in the world before we wrap things up because I do want to ask about what's ahead I want to hear more about writing podcasts and everything but let's talk a bit about Screw because I got previews of the first yeah. series of of that because I had R- Rob Williams the, the 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 creator on and it blew me away I loved it because it was the first show I'd seen 
first prison show I'd seen that is focusing on on on. I mean, it's, it's focusing on both sides, but it's focusing on that yes, side yes, of the officers of, view, of yeah. the of the prison itself as such. But equally, it's not they're they're flawed. There there's some that are horrible. Yeah, there's some yeah. that are lovely. There's some yeah. that are idiots. You know, there, there's there's kind of everything in there. How was that to get? Because again, it is it's it's a it's a step away from your King Gary's and and, and your this away, country yeah. and all these things. Yeah. So how was that? Yeah, I mean, and, and particularly in this second series, I've got some really meaty storylines, and um, yeah. uh, it was really challenging and, and sort of brilliant and wonderful all at the same time. And I fell in love with doing you know straighter stuff again. I've got to be honest, when I went up for it, I thought ah, no chance. There's just no chance. I don't I don't get many drama auditions or I didn't I do now I've got like get, getting loads and get this and um I'd originally went up for Nina's part mm. and um which I was like of course I'm never going to get the lead right. and then they came back and said oh would you put yourself on tape for Jackie which when we were reading it my wife said it's a pity Jackie's in her 50s because you'd be perfect for her and I was like I oh, know shame in it mm, fucking hell and when they come back with that I was like yeah. oh maybe they're going younger yeah. and then I still said ah now nah, they'll still give it to someone in their 50s if that's how it's originally written and yeah and then the, the director was just like you just you were her and it was like, can we make her slightly younger? It did, the age was kind of, I think, it didn't really matter to the story. So um, I didn't think I stood a chance. So when no. I got it, and actually I was filming the last series of King Gary, we were filming all the big wedding, and I was sat in a car, freezing my tits off, and I got a call from my agent, and she said, you got screw. And I went, what? I, I could, I honestly, you could have knocked me sideways, knocked me over a feather. I really didn't think I was going to get it. And um, and so I was nervous when I started. I've mm. got to be honest, like, you know, you get all excited, don't you, for about five minutes when you get that job, and then you go, right, you've got to fucking do it now, Law. And it's not my territory or, you know, certainly since drama school, I've just not done any straight acting. Not really. But I love it. You know, even when I got to do a bit of the hearty stuff in King Gary and stuff, I was like, I do enjoy it. I love doing that. And I think what was nice, certainly in the first series is Jackie was full of one liners and uh, it was sort of a nice lean gently into into drama, but I still got to be a bit funny and and she's brilliant. She's, you know, she's so acerbic and like she she's still got her one-liners and, and you know, she's she's a woman with wit, as most working class women women are, you know. Um uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, I've got to say, like, it's it's been such a highlight for me and, and such a privilege. And I'm so lucky it's doing so well. And, and and you know, I think it's all testament to Rob Williams, who's the creator and writer. He's he's worked for years in prisons. He's volunteered and worked there. And yeah. you can tell it's, although of course it's a drama, it's got to be exciting and things are a bit exaggerated and all of that, but it's really based in a lot of reality and honesty. And, um, and so there's a lot of humour running through the show because, you know, people go to work, they can, you know, they still have a laugh. I was, I was, I was going to say, you, you can be, you can get a role in a drama and the character happens to have a lot of comedy yeah. in them, and that's exactly again, it's why it was perfect yeah. there because it, it's it is that yeah, it character, nice isn't it? Transition, you I've do got have, to say. Every workplace has people who are, are going to be the one who's who's raising, who's lifting the spirits, yeah. or yeah, you know. yeah. No, it's it's, yeah. it's been um, yeah, and this this second series is is pretty epic. It's um, like different gravy to the first, so yeah, you should watch it. It's um, yeah, it's pretty. Not because I'm in it, but it's um, even I sat there watching it, going and oh fuck, I forgot that happened. It's so good. Let's watch the next one, yeah. You know, it's a a buzz when you get a project like that. So, Mm. I mean, to kind of wrap things up, what is ahead? Obviously, as you say, I've heard that your character in this series of Screw has got, you know, things are are being taken up a notch. So Mm. 
that that must be exciting. Has that shown you anything you want to do more of or, yeah, or focus on? Is there anything lined up and writing as well? Like, is what are the plans there? Well, writing's very much ongoing. You know, I'm in development with a couple of things, um, but you know, they they take takes years takes some yeah. years but yeah. I've got great production companies behind me that are pushing hard I think it's really hard to get anything made at the moment I'll be honest of course um but that's that's always there I'm always finding time for that it's, that's that's my big thing you know I want to get my I want to get my own show made that's my next yeah. big thing so it's um, the most amazing it's the most astounding part of this industry for for me and it's the bit I'm kind of in love with and I spoke a little bit about it with Susan about how much goes on outside of the public eye and I mean, even ju- just with some of these castings and auditions, these ones where you go in two or three times and you don't get it, mm-hmm. and no one ever knows how close, how big a part of that lo- your life that was for a week. Yeah. Well, after or for the a first, month, after you know? the first series of Screw, and yeah. I'd gone back to back, you know, Duncan Gary, it went straight into Screw, and I had a whole year out of work after that. And, I th- mm-hmm. and it all aired, and I thought, here we go, Law, it's aired. Wait for the phone, and it. Yeah. This was a year of auditioning and getting right down. It's out of you and someone else. They've gone the other way. Sorry, they've gone with the other person. I, my agent said to me one day, I could, I could do a whole wall of the very nearlies that you've missed out on this year. Mm-hmm. You've got to remember how close you got. But it's hard. And it, I had Mate, a whole year of it after it's such a, a common very story. Year, you know, I had exactly the same after my biggest role. I think I had almost 18 months where I didn't book a single thing but yes, I've been really lucky to have done this podcast and heard Stephen Graham tell me that after This Is England he didn't book a gig for over a year uh, and, and yeah. Sophia Batella tell me that it took her a year to get her big break in The Kingsman and these are people that I look at and go well these are some of the best that there are so yeah. they didn't not work for a year because they're shit yeah. They didn't work for a year because it's out of their control. So it kind of gave me that or, or kept that, it quietened that voice that's maybe saying to me, maybe you want to knock this on the head. It's not yeah. worked out or whatever else. It's like, no, that's nothing to do with it. It's it's the way the industry is sometimes. It is. And you've got to, I think you've got to worry more when you're not getting anything back from anyone. <laughs> then mm-hmm. you kind of go, oh, cool. But yeah. when you're getting so close, you have to go, you got, you got there, you did your job. It's just yeah. down to yeah. they want, I don't know her because she's got dark hair or whatever. Yeah. Or you yeah. they just feel her vibe a bit more, whatever. Yeah. And, and then, yeah, you've got to just take it less personally, but it's much easier when you've been doing all right, you know? Again, it's realising that that someone else clicking isn't an insult on you. Like, again, like, there will have been people who were in their 50s who went for this role in Screw of Jackie, yeah. who was meant to be 50, yeah. and you just clicked. They yeah. didn't not get it because they're shit. They, you know, the character changed because it was... You know yes. w- 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 what they were encountered with. So yeah, it's not personal. You know, there's nothing there's, anyone could have done for there. everyone. No, that's yeah. it. And there's there's room for everyone. I, I was, you know, when in my twenties, I was quite competitive. Like, oh, why is she working? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and actually, now I'm like, oh, go on, girl, go on, mate. Yeah, I just. Um, but that that it's, it does help when you're you're doing all right and the, the job's yeah. coming in and just age as well. You know, <laughs> kind of kind of, is what it is. Law, there's nothing yeah. you can do about it. It's out of my control. Yeah. So, so so what is ahead? Is there any more time off and life space and being a wife? <laughs> is that yes. is, is that yes. getting any more of a focus and priority, or is it? I try, well, you've got writing yeah. to I'm do, try- you've got acting to do. I, I can't sit still 
I'm, I'm never, yeah. I, it's just probably the working class in me. I just can't sit still. I need to feel like I'm doing something all the time. So a lot of writing at the moment, which is great. I've got the space and time and money to do that, which is mm-hmm. important. And I've got, I'm doing this other little job flying back and forth to Budapest. Um, I, I can't really, it's really boring though, but I can't no. say what it is. I'll tell you when we come yeah. off air. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, um, I'm flying back and forth to that small part in a big shiny thing. And then back on the audition bus, I'm doing a self-tape in a minute, actually, when I get off from this. So yeah. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to come on and have a chat. It's oh, God, uh, said, when this one came up as an option, it was an instant, yeah, yeah, let's talk immediately because we've not caught up since the last time we did a podcast together. I love, so, I love talking <laughs> to you. I could talk to you for hours. <laughs> I'm the same. I'm the, the same. It's been a joy. Yeah, I look forward to, to our next chat. M- maybe next time we'll chat and not record it. And maybe next time we'll be chatting because we'll be on the set together. That'd exactly. Be nice. That'd be exactly. really nice. I'd love that. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Well, thank you for taking the time, mate. Oh, you too, mate. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. There we go. How good was that? Hope you enjoyed that. I'll be back next week with more wonderful conversations. You know, I say this at the end of every episode, but I've been here every week for for coming on for a decade. Of course I'll be here next week, gang. Don't panic. Don't panic. Know that and let that guide you through your week. So until then, stay safe and stay sane. Ta-ta.